0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Hey everybody, we are closing out a series today. Today is part 5. We've been doing this now for four other weeks and uh, really excited because the whole series has been based out of this verse. It's in the Bible more than once. This says, "Do you not know that you you and I, we are God's temple and that his spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us." And once we start to figure that out, man, it changes everything. Because our God is not just an idea. Our God is not just a philosophy. Our God is alive. Our God is ever-present. And when we figure out that he's not just an alive, ever-present God up in heaven, but he's actually right here, our lives are wrecked. Everything changes. And so we started out the series part one saying that the spirit of God dwelling in his believers, God dwelling with his children, is plan A. It's been plan A. It was plan A in the garden. It's plan A before Jesus ever did a thing. It's what God is doing. It's what God's always been doing. He is putting into place, plan A, that got messed up from the beginning. then the second thing we learned is that the Holy Spirit came to renovate. He came to fix. You know, one of the things that happens as soon as we discover that God is here is we get a little scared that God's that close. But the good news is Jesus knew who you were when he died on the cross for you. He's not surprised by the mess inside. The Holy Spirit came to work on that mess, so we don't need to be afraid of him. Part three, we learned that God's voice starts right here. It's a spiritual voice. And his voice goes from here to here, and we hear God differently now. We don't have to wait on a prophet to to call us from Jerusalem like they did uh, a few thousand years ago. No, no. Today, God speaks right here. And then last week in part four, we started learning how God has created each of us. Very unique. He put gifts in us that he's going to use to change this world. We're called the body of Christ. And, And so Jesus is the head. We're the body. He put something in each of us to do something to make Jesus famous all throughout the world. One of the, the coolest things that I get to do with my job and, and the position I have uh, is, is I get to see God move all around the world. So even when I, I went to Romania right after college and, and where I met my wife, and uh, we were a part of a crusade team. And, and this team would go in and, and rent out entire stadiums and, and invite people to come out. And say, that we're going to be praying for you. And, and i tell you what, man, that, that would bring people out. It was crazy. And and I would watch. I, I saw a lady named Muncie, a Hungarian-Romanian lady, come in. And she could barely walk. It took tiny little steps and a cane on one side and her, her daughter on the other side. Everything she could do to just barely walk across the stadium. And at the end, when we prayed for healing, she was waving this cane in the air And running. And that's, that's a big deal because she was not tiny. I'm just telling you, like the cane alone. Like, and it was amazing. We saw this little girl here for the first time, six years old. The first thing she ever heard was American praise and worship, which I guess since she never heard Romanian, it wasn't that weird to her. I thought, it was kind of, As I'm telling you this story, though, think about this. I'm using a lot of past tense verbs, and there are only a few stories. I don't know about you, but that frustrates me, because I think about the fact that we worship God Almighty. We worship the all-powerful God. We worship the creator of the universe. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel like what I experience on a day-to-day basis, what I see in my life, is not reflective of the God whom I serve, right? I mean, anybody with me? Do you share that, that like, frustration? And some of it comes because, you know, we've prayed prayers that didn't get answered, And when you pray those prayers and they don't get answered, your faith gets a little damaged or you begin to doubt. And so your prayers become less bold. You remember the time that that God didn't take away that cold just so that you could go to work the next day. Or you remember that time God didn't give you that job. And so when somebody is sick with cancer and the doctor says there's nothing we can do, you don't have guts and faith to pray that prayer. But what I know, or I wouldn't be standing here today, is that God is still the all-powerful God of the universe, that he has not changed, and that he wants to prove this to you. He wants to prove it through you to this hurting and broken world. And so we're going to close out the series today talking about the power of God. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with us uh, to, I think we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick up where Jesus left off. And so when we've been doing this series each week, we've started out kind of talking about Jesus was saying to his disciples, I'm going to go. And it's better for you that I go away. It's going to be to your advantage. And you say, why was it to our advantage? Because when Jesus was here, it was God in our midst. But with the Holy Spirit here, it is God within. That's an improvement, which is amazing that there could be an improvement, but that is an improvement. And so at this point where we're picking up the story today, Jesus did that whole long speech to his disciples, and then he was crucified. Then he was raised again. And he is alive. He's now speaking to his disciples. And this is the very last sentence Jesus ever uttered on planet Earth, which makes it pretty important if you're a Jesus follower, right? The very last words Jesus spoke on planet Earth. Chapter 1, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, As they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Boom, gone, never to be seen again. When we see Jesus again, it will be the end. I don't know if you all know that's how this is going to work out. The next time we see Jesus in the flesh on the earth, it is over. Everybody who loves him and knows him personally within will have eternal fellowship with him. Everything glorified, everything made right, we'll see a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody who is not right with him, everybody who is not a Jesus follower, unfortunately, it will be the end. They will spend eternity in punishment. That will be the day. It will be done. He's gone. And in between now, I'm I'm sorry, in between then and then, there was one thing. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. As we read this word, we know witness means to testify. It means to share your story. And so a lot of us, probably the first thing that comes to mind is like a witness in a court case where the judge says, okay, it's your turn now. Why don't you come on up here and give us your side of the story? And so a lot of us, we've adopted this idea for our lives. We're just living life, walking along, and we're just waiting for someone to say, hey, would you share your side of the story? But you've probably figured out by now, not many people stop you in the mall to say, hey, will you share your story of what Jesus has done in your life? It's not a question you get a lot, right? And so hopefully you've, you've learned and, and someone's preached a good sermon on evangelism and saying, we have to look for the opportunities to share that story. We have to try to look for just a little crack when the door opens and, and go bursting through the door. Like when a coworker says, I don't understand how, you're always smiling. Your life looks so good. my life, it just looks like I'm struggling. And you go, hey, let me tell you why I'm smiling. You're just looking for the door to crack open enough that you get to go running through. But the problem with this is that we have taken the idea and, and dumbed it down to just doing that. Talking. Just talking. Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And we have turned it into talking, just talking. Have you ever tried that? Tell the story to somebody? How does that go? Say, so, hey, <laughs> I appreciate you uh, letting me share something with you. So it turns out there was this little teenage girl. And, uh, well, she got pregnant. and Apparently her dad wanted to go beat up the dude. So when he asked who the dude's name was, she said God. And, well, she did give birth. And it turns out that he was God, too. And then God grew up, and the people didn't like God, so they killed God. But because he was God, he didn't stay dead, so God became alive again, and then God went off to heaven, and here we are. Would you like to come sing songs about that story with me on Sunday? (laughs) It's an absurd story. It's utterly ridiculous. Now, obviously, most of us in the room believe it. It's why we're here today. But it is an absolutely absurd story if all you use is words. This is why Paul, when he went around the world preaching, this is what he said in 1 Corinthians about this. He said, I I came to you, brothers. I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Matter of fact, the best sermon I could come up with, it's not going to work. It's not going to do it. Fancy words, it's not going to be enough. My speech and my message, they were not in plausible words. Exactly. It's not a plausible story. There's no way my words could be plausible. They don't make any sense. No, I came to you in a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, so that your faith would not rest in my four-part series, so your your faith would not rest in what I wrote to you in this book of the Bible, but your faith would rest in the power of God, the power of God, which leads us to the question, how, how should we go and be witnesses with power? And the first thing I want to do is back up to this word witness because most of us we, we do know that to us in English it means testify. But the Greek word here is martis. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And sometimes it gets translated witness, but the exact same Greek word with the exact same meaning is also translated in your Bible in other places as the word martyr. We've taken this verse, the very last words Jesus would ever utter to his disciples, and we've turned it into a verse that says, talk when you get a chance. But what it actually means is proclaim who Jesus is to the point of your death through power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you really get into that, that is going to mess up your Bible Belt version of go to church one hour a week. Our lives are going to get totally, totally wrecked. So if we understand that what we are called to do is to testify to who Jesus is even to the point of our death because of and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, how do we testify through, through power? How do we do this? Well, the first option is we become spiritual zombies, right? Like you're, you're just walking along and then suddenly like power just comes upon you to do something. You wake up like three minutes later and, and your coworkers are all looking at you like, and, and, you're, and they're, what happened to you? You're like, This must be that thing my preacher talked about. The Holy Spirit just took over me. (gasps) What did I do? Well, that person got healed. Oh, my God, that's amazing. We think something like, no. (laughs) If you believe that, it's silly. It doesn't work. No, actually, I told you last week that we would continue talking about the gifts that God put in us because that's the answer to the question. When God makes us, there are gifts he puts in us. And these are gifts that you can use even before you follow him. He could put the gift of leadership in you. You could become a great business leader, a great CEO, a great general, and you don't have to follow Jesus. He put that in you to start with. You could be a great teacher. It could be a gift of serving, a gift of helping, a gift of giving. You can do that even before you follow Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit moves in, he begins to anoint those, and you do those in a whole new power. But then also, there's a whole another group of gifts They are gifts you cannot do as a believer. They are gifts that are not within you. They are gifts that the Holy Spirit does through you. And they are supernatural power. It's something that He empowers in the life of a believer. This is where our main passage is today. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be right here on the screen, though. Verse 7 starts out, says, "...now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom." To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same Spirit as He distributes to each one, just as He determines. We're going to have a nerd moment. Do I have nerds in the room? Who wants to hear the nerd moment? Whoop, the rest of you, too bad. Here's how it's going to work. In all fairness, the nerd moment is this. In all fairness, I have to tell you that not everybody agrees with what I'm about to say. There are different opinions on the power of the Holy Spirit today. So in all fairness, before I stand up here and say this, I'm going to tell you that there are other places you could go and other people would say different things. Because this whole passage that I just read, there is a group of people who say it no longer exists. They say that that power of the Holy Spirit has ceased to operate. Ceased to operate. That's why their name are they're they're secessionists. They believe the supernatural power work through believers of the Holy Spirit. These gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 are done, and their reasoning for that is that these gifts were only needed for the first century Christians, primarily the apostles. That once scripture is done, once we've got the story written down, we don't need this anymore. And the reason is because what the first century Christians had to do, their mission to make Jesus famous in that world at that time was so incredibly impossible that without supernatural power, they could have never done what God called them to do, which was to testify to who Jesus was to the ends of the earth. My objection, the reason I'm going to tell you what I believe today which, by the way, I'm not in a small little minority, in, in case you're wondering. My objection is this. At best right now, there are 2 billion people on a planet of almost 8 that claim to be Christian. And that is typically identified only by the fact that they grow up and live in a Christian nation, and that's the only way they know to identify but if we were to go and find those 2 billion people and actually look at their lives and look at their faith and see who actually follows Jesus, who actually has a Bible, and if they have a Bible, do they even read it as opposed to let it hold their dash down as they drive around during the week, right? Y'all didn't laugh because I just hurt some of your feelings. Y'all do that. Y'all don't even bring it in here anymore. Y'all are they go put it on the screen. It go to stay on my dash right there. It's got too much dust for me to move in. And if we were to see how many of those people actually have a pastor speaking into their lives, they're actually involved in community, sharing their faith, talking to another person about what God is saying to them and what God is doing, I guarantee you we'd get that 2 billion number down to somewhere in the hundreds of millions at best. And that's at best. Could be tens of millions, who knows? And so somehow we're supposed to take a hundred or a couple hundred million people, go to places where we would get shot the minute we say Jesus. And share the story of a little girl getting pregnant by God so her daddy wouldn't get mad at the dude and then the guy grows up and then the guy gets killed and then the guy lives. And you're going to tell me that we don't have an impossible mission to reach 6 billion people currently alive before their day of death? Come on. Furthermore, why would Jesus tell us something that was going to be so misleading? Why would he say the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you But only the ones listening to me right now and for maybe the next 20 or 30 years get the power. The rest of you, sorry, it's going to expire at the end of the first century. What? I think he would have said something about that. He was pretty clear with most everything he said. Very, very clear. And then my other defense is Paul is writing to teach the Corinthian church how to use these gifts. By the time Paul wrote this and it was circulated, it would have been nearly expired. Who buys milk the day before it expires? Anybody in here? Why would Paul bother to take so much time to teach people to do something that supposedly is going to come to an end very, very soon? So the reason I'm going to stand here and teach you today that these verses still exist is because I believe the Bible is God's word and I believe we can take it to account for what it means and so you can can go to lunch and disagree with every word. That'll be your choice but for the fun of it, I have fairly told you that not everybody agrees. Is that okay? So here's the question or here's what I do believe. I believe God still wants to move in power through His people to Show himself to this broken and hurting world. And here's how. Now to each one. I'm just reading it again. Y'all catch on. (laughs) Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We talked about this last week. Each one of you for the common good. I'm not going to repeat. That's part four if you missed it. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Woo! Exactly. It's a message. That's what it is. From God to someone on earth, spoken by a human mouth, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does that sound weird to you? Does this sound weird to you? Come on. If it sounds weird and you believe in the Bible, you just contradicted yourself. Because this entire thing is God through a person empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Those sound incredibly similar, don't they? There's a message of wisdom. There's a message of knowledge. What, What is this all about? Well, a message of wisdom is insight or direction you could never have in the natural realm that you can only have if God shares something with you. It it goes like this. Let's say Kent and Lane are looking for a brand new house. And so they're house shopping. And they find exactly the houses that they want. There's two of them. And, And you know how builders sometimes use floor plans in multiple places? They have found the exact same floor plan in two different neighborhoods. They are even the exact same price to the penny. They both have a fire pit and an in-ground swimming pool. They, are, they both come with a little furry dog or something. Who knows? I mean, they are the exact same house. Okay, we'll erase the dog. And, and there's no way that they can determine in the natural. This one's here. That one's there. This price, that price, that price, I don't know which one to choose, but guess who does? God knows which one to choose because God knows which house your kids need to live in to go to a certain school district because of that one teacher that's going to say that one thing on that one day that is forever going to change their lives. God knows which house. God knows which house because God knows the house that has the neighbor that you're going to say that thing to that one day when he was out mowing his grass and nothing was going well and you were going to see him go to heaven instead of hell all because you bought that house instead of the other one. God knows. So how do you know? It's called a message of wisdom. Either to you or to through someone else maybe someone comes to you and says i was praying for you and i just saw you standing in front of a house with blue shutters and can't go blue shutters did you know we were house shopping no man i just told you i was just praying for you and i saw a picture of you standing in front of a house with blue shutters what does that mean well because we're looking at two houses one has blue shutters one has brown shutters oh well there you go because god knows the one with the blue shutters is where you need to live on the other hand a message of knowledge is a piece of information and it goes like this. You're sitting in a restaurant, and you feel like God tells you to go say something to that stranger over there. <laughs> now, the first time this happens, we pretend God didn't speak to us because we are scared to death. And about the next 10 times this happened. And, and eventually, at some point, you, you come and you hear me preach on this, and then you get convicted. So the next time you're in a, a restaurant and you hear, you're like, oh, man, that's what he's, Now I'm responsible. I got to go do this. And so so you're, you're, you're hearing, right? Remember part three, if you missed it, it's a spiritual voice, right? And so you're sitting at that table. There's a whole bunch of people in this restaurant. You've been to this restaurant many times. You've never had this thought, but today you cannot stop thinking of the person in the corner. You just keep looking at, you just keep looking at them, and as you're looking at them, you start thinking about their mother. Why? You don't even know if they have a mother, but you're thinking about their mother, and you're thinking and, and seeing their mother just just enjoying life and living life and doing great and everything. And, and so you finally get up the courage, and you're you're kind of shaking a little bit like this as you walk across the room, and you kind of, you go up to him, and you're very apologetic because you know how weird you are. You're like, excuse me, I was I was just sitting over there eating, and I'm really sorry to interrupt your your meal and everything. You know, I just uh, and this goes something really strange to you. But uh, I think God told me to come and talk to you. And well, I, I, if it's okay, I just, I just, he, I think He wants you to know your your mother's like doing well in life. Your mother's going to do 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 well. Well. And they go, oh my God, how did you know my mother was was not doing well? I I, I didn't know. I was I was. Just, my mom's going to have surgery tomorrow, and she's, it's a procedure. the doctors have said, very few people. I mean, this is like the last hope, like 10 like percent of people are going to, and you're telling me, "Mom's going to be fine." and you go, "Well, yes, God speaks to me all the time." <laughs> he goes on to say To another, faith by the same spirit. This is not faith to believe in Jesus. All believers have faith to believe in Jesus. This is faith where in a moment in time, in a circumstance, you know it is going to turn out differently from the way the circumstances look like it's going to turn out or the way everybody else believes. Often this happens on a mission field because you try to go do an outreach and a lot of times the government may be against it. Some guy gave you permission. You all show up, you get off the bus, you're getting ready to preach Jesus or sing your songs or do whatever. And then somebody comes out, y'all can't do this here. And you're like, oh man, everybody starts to get back on the bus. But one person on the team says, no, stop, just wait. It's going to, it's going to change. It's, It's just not going to be this way. And about a minute later, that guy's boss comes out and says, I gave him permission. You get out of here, and then you guys get to do your outreach. Said, One person, though, kept you there long enough for the other guy to show up. See, sometimes God has to put faith in a person that, that, that experiences and feels something that is so contrary to what the natural world sees. There's a, a guy, he actually dedicated one of his children last service. Uh, and his first child, though, when he was, uh, they were pregnant with his first child. I used to meet with him. We, were, we had a lot of theological discussions. I was mentoring him. And uh, the, the, when his wife and he got pregnant with their first child, he came into our appointment we'd have almost every week. And he sat down. He was, he was very, very down. And uh, as I looked at him, I knew something wasn't right because he was always excited. would come in with like, I got three questions for you today. And, and he didn't have any questions. And I said, what's up? He said, well. My wife just went to uh, an appointment, and and they told us the baby's dead. And so they had been dealing with some complications for about a week and had figured out that that was the story and that was what was going to happen. And so they had scheduled. He's like, we're going to go back tomorrow, and they're going to do what they've got to do. And we're just really, really sad about it. And and you you need to know, first of all, I'm not the kind of person that does what I'm about to tell you, because normally I am just so pragmatic, and I believe heaven's better than earth, if you tell me you're dying tomorrow, I'm just like, good, you get to see Jesus. (laughs) Don't come to me for supernatural prayer, I'm (laughs) I'm, going to be a little jealous of you, like, you mean I got to stay here? Like, the best I get is Caribbean, you know? I mean, like, that, that's, that's not heaven. There's no glass streets and gold. I mean, seriously, like, go on, brother. I <laughs> enjoy that. So I'm not the pr- But at that moment, something very contrary to my nature rose up in me and just said, no. No, that child was, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that that child was alive. So I said, hey, I need you to do something for me. He said, sure, what? I said, before I tell you, I need you to promise me you will do this okay, what do you want? I need you to promise me you won't break your promise. And fortunately, I had a relationship where he's like, okay, Jimmy, I trust you. What do you want? I said, before they do the procedure tomorrow, make them do another ultrasound. And he started doing this. Well, look, we've already done that twice. This is, you know, multiple appointments has been going on for a week. Like, what's the point? I said, you made a promise. I said, okay. Goes in, they do the ultrasound. They didn't go any further. That baby's alive. She's in G-Kids every single week. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. It means that we can actually lay hands on someone, pray for them, and there's an impartation of the Holy Spirit in us to them. They get physically healed. To another, miraculous powers. Woo! I don't know about you, but I thought we were already having enough miracles. I mean, that's pretty cool. We're, we're seeing people like hear messages from God, we're, we're praying for healing. I mean, all this, and, and there's more miraculous than that. Amazing. I'll take it. How about you? To another, prophecy. Again, prophecy is just a, a term for hearing from God for another person. And I know you get wigged out when you hear prophecy and somebody talks about prophecy. Okay, we're not talking about rewriting scripture. We'll never add to scripture. Scripture's complete, it's done, it's our highest authority. We're not talking about messing with that. And the only reason you think prophecy is weird is because we make it weird. We take the power of God and make it the most weird, abnormal thing in the world so the world wants nothing to do with it. Because we, we'll be praying for somebody and, and we'll get. It's a form of prophecy. We'll get a thing. It's like, hey, John, I was praying for you this morning. This verse just came to mind. And it turns out it was the very kind of verse he needed to hear from God for the struggle he's having. And, and, but the problem is we don't say it like that. We say it like this. Yea, verily, brother. <laughs> I was in the throne room this morning upon my knees <laughs> speaking with the heavenly Father. <laughs> we make it weird. So nobody wants anything to do with the power of God. Stop it! <laughs> if I could use the word "normal" with the power of God, can we just get back to the power of God being a normal part of our lives? We go, hey man, I was praying for you this morning, and I, I just why this verse? I mean, there's like a, there's there's a bunch of them, and only one came to mind. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna share it with you. And suddenly we are speaking encouragement to another person from God. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Ha, I just said it wasn't weird. Check that out. Here's this cool, though. One of our favorite passages in the Bible. One of the most famous passages. If you're a preacher and you feel like you've offended your church and you want to make them happy again, preach on this. It's Ephesians chapter 6. We love it. It's this beautiful picture of a soldier and us becoming a soldier. And it talks about put on the helmet of salvation and and the breastplate of righteousness and and the the sword of of truth. And and we just get all excited. feeling like, we're a soldier. We're going to go change the world. It's really cool. And it starts out saying that you don't battle against flesh and blood. And we're like, that's right. Because, you know, fighting with my wife or fighting with my neighbor. It's good to know I'm not really fighting with them. But then did you check the, the passage? We do not fight against flesh and blood but against the cosmic powers of darkness, against the principalities and rulers in the heavenly realms over evil. All this means is that the Holy Spirit shows some of us what's going on. Some of us are able to say, hey, you know why that we're, You know why we're struggling with this outreach? Because of this demonic power in this part of the city that's against us. Let's just pray for a minute. The Holy Spirit allows some of us to identify, label, understand, and see what's going on. I wish I could do that more often than not. Truth is, that's not one that happens through me a lot. He goes on to say, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Look, there's there's about three interpreted meanings for this right here. Uh, The first one is, it don't happen no more. You know, Jesus said, God, if at all possible, take this cup from me. And most of us say, "God, if at all possible, take this gift from me, <laughs> far away. Can you just take it out of the word altogether?" It's really funny. We love all the other stuff. Please pray for me. Get me healed. Please give me money. Gift of giving. Please speak, God. To me. Oh, but you know, tongues. You to just keep that far away. So, look before I tell you the other two interpretations of this. I just want to remind you of a really important thing. It's God's idea. I didn't write the Bible. If you think it's weird, don't look at me right now. You didn't write the Bible. If you think it's weird, doesn't matter. Your opinion is irrelevant. It's God's idea. God decided that there needed to be a gift of tongues and its interpretation. The only thing you and I get to do is understand it and decide what we're going to do with it. Is that fair? So, I'm just going to do those last two. You don't, you can keep your opinions and, and debate them at lunch all you want to. And again, God doesn't care about your debate because it's His idea. He decided it matters. So, here's the two debated theories of what in the world is the gift of tongues. The first one is the supernatural ability to speak a known foreign language when you, you show up somewhere. Let's say you go on a mission trip and so your interpreter wandered around the street somewhere and you, and you need to talk to this person. You don't know the language. And suddenly the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak in their language and share the gospel and they get saved and and that's amazing. There are known, proven cases that that has happened. I went to Romania, and, and when I moved there, I had to start learning the language, and my whole first week there, I had to spend trying to memorize 10 numbers. Uno, doi, tre, patru, cinch, shasa, cha, 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 I'm telling you, azeche is super cool. It's just zecha. 10. 10, 10, 10. I mean, come on. I mean, they got one on us, right? You know, that's just a whole lot more fun. But still, I don't want to spend all that time learning Romanian. I want to like preach. I want to do stuff. I'm thinking it took a week to learn 10 numbers. It's going to take 20 years to be able to preach. I don't want to do this. God, would you give me the ability to just like speak in tongues in Romanian right now? Yeah, he didn't do it. (laughs) But he did help me find this very beautiful Romanian translator who agreed to be my wife. So there you go. It's like... It's like the gift of tongues everywhere I go. Honey, just say this. And then she does. Except for the time that she didn't like what I was saying and refused to translate. But we'll save that story for a marriage series. (laughs) The the second interpretation of this is that the Holy Spirit in us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, who knows the Father better than we know him, bypasses our human mind, which scientists say we only use 2% of, And bypasses our understanding of the world and our understanding of ourselves and our understanding of what we think we need most and speaks directly from here to there in what is called a heavenly language. And we believe that exists as well, even if both cases are true, because Paul in the next chapter, as he continues this teaching on these says, look, if I speak in the tongues of men, which are the known languages and of angels, oh, I guess there is a heavenly language. And then he goes on in the following chapter to say that when I speak in a tongue, men don't understand, only God understands. Well, that's kind of, and he does this a whole bunch of other things. So my personal opinion is it looks like both are true and both can be the way that tongues exist. And I don't know about you, but if if they do, I, I would love both. I would love to be able to just like get off of an airplane without studying and suddenly be amazing. That would just be cool. And if the Holy Spirit could speak from me, for me, directly to the Father, well, that would be way better than me and my little brain getting involved every morning trying to tell God what I think I need most. Bring it on. So, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Think about that. Think about that. The Father created you, and He put things in here that you can do But then when the Holy Spirit moves in, because he's with you every step, everywhere, he starts deciding, hey, since we're in this restaurant, I want to talk to those people over there. Hey, since we're co-workers with that person, I want to see them healed. Let's go over there and pray for them. Hey, since I want to show the power of God, because I live in you, and I know the power of God, I want. The question is whether we're going to be willing to participate. Are we going to be vessels that rebel? Are we going to be vessels that say, God, whatever you want to do. You come and have your way. So I hope this series has been meaningful for you. I hope this series has has stirred you up to to think of God in a very different way, to think of your purpose on earth in a very different way. One of the things that that I hope we get out of this is that we need him in a whole new way. And here's what we need. I'll put it on the screen for you. We need a spirit. That That was week one, part one. We need his help to be more like him. We'll never do that on our own. We need his voice. God still speaks to his people. We need his gifts. He created us to do something to make a difference and we need his power. Because I'm gonna tell you what, it's only a ridiculous story when you remove power. You see, it was power that didn't need a man. It was power that birthed God. It was power that he fed the thousands, that he raised the dead. It was power that when he died, he saved every single one of us with one drop of blood. It was power that took him out of the tomb and sat him at the right hand of the Father. And it will be power when he returns to bring about the end that we read about in the Bible. It's only a ridiculous story because we've removed all the power. We've turned it into just talking. We don't do anything but talk anymore. And my hope for you because of this series is that is no longer good enough. My greatest hope is that I have messed up your life in thinking that you can show up at church once a week, tell a good little story if someone ever asked, and live the most boring human life hoping for heaven someday. I hope that is not good enough anymore. I hope now you will wake up every day and say, come on, God, you and me, what are we going to do today? It's only a ridiculous story when you remove the power. He's called us to be vessels of power for him. Let me pray for you. God, first we just come before you to confess that we have accepted a very simple, powerless human life to be our normal and we ask you to forgive us. God, we want to be people who know your power and embrace your power. We want to be vessels for the one true living God to show himself to this world. We want to be vessels that people can see the creator of the universe, El Shaddai, God Almighty, through us, through the things we say, the things we do. Help us, God. Help us, God. Let us be witnesses to the point of death through your power to the amazing name of Jesus to this earth. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. The truth is, none of what I've talked about is an option for you without making Jesus your king. The promise of the Holy Spirit to live in us is a promise Jesus made only to his followers. And it's at the moment that we surrender our lives to him that the Holy Spirit moves in and begins to do these amazing and powerful things, including forgiveness of our sins and giving us eternal fellowship with God in heaven. So if you've never made Jesus your king, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to cause you to do anything embarrassing, but right where you're seated, I'm just going to help you begin a conversation with him. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me, and now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church slash resources, where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.